Thanks, Jen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're singing about battles and how we fight our battles. And the truth is most of us aren't struggling directly with COVID-19. Most of us are struggling with the vocational impact of the disease and the financial impact of the disease and how it's affected our work. And I've said this many times before, but getting saved is fairly easy. But knowing what we're supposed to do every day, what God calls us to do, our vocational life, and that's not just paid work, by the way. Our vocational life, it never stays done. We have to continue to work at that. And this battle we're facing, for most of us, is vocational. There's nobody here that's directly struggling with, with COVID that I see in the room here. But we are struggling with a lot of disruption. And that disruption has been primarily in the business world and in the vocational world and in school. A student, uh, it's his or her vocation to go to school. And it's been very challenging, especially for younger kids. It's very challenging. My her partner, Walter Jackson, is teaching a first grade public school class online, and he's doing a great job, but that takes patience. You've got these squirmy kids there on the screen. It's tough. It's, it's like we're trying to bring the ball down the court in basketball terms, and life is giving us this full court press right now. And we have to act differently in that way. And so we're going to talk about God at work. This is number four of five, your vocation in disrupting times. And so much of what the Bible has to say is about vocation, God's calling of us in our lives. And the truth is, a lot of us end up in challenging times having to cobble together a vocational life. We have to get income from lots of different places, and we have to put our energy, and we have to figure out where we're going to put our energy, and we sometimes have to put it in more than one place. I know that uh, some of you are working lots of different jobs, and some of you who are farther up the corporate ladder, even Woody's got different things he's running, clocks and air cleaners and everything else. And so we're, we're doing lots of different things and we're cobbling together these vocations. And that wasn't the case for our grandparents. Our grandparents, they pretty much did one thing and they did it till they retired and it was over with and they got a gold watch and that was that. But uh, nowadays it's challenging. I mean, Deanna, you're Industry has been disrupted by all kinds of things, and you have to kind of figure out what do we do with this full court press, Tamara? You're you're an event AV for events, and we're not having events. So what do we do with that? A lot of people have been laid off in the airline industry, in the hotel industry, in the hospitality industry, and we have to figure out where is God calling us during this time. And what's fascinating is the trustees of this church picked this sermon series last year. For now. Uh, we had no idea this was coming, but I think God knows where things are going and what we need to connect on. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Amos chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Amos is hard to find. It's one of those little books at the end of the Old Testament. But Amos was a person who had to shift gears as he put together this sort of quilt, this vocational quilt of his life. So let's look at Amos. And Amos is a feisty guy. And he was very earthy and told people off and was just, uh, it's not a cheerful book at all. Uh, if, you, if you want a cheerful, encouraging book, don't read Amos because he'll just yell at you the whole time. But uh, that's just the way he is. And Amos is a, a rather severe person, to say the least. Verse 14, Amos replied, I'm not a professional prophet. And I was never trained to be one. 
I'm just a shepherd, and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, go and prophesy to my people in Israel. Speak the truth to them. And prophecy, by the way, isn't fortune-telling. It is forth-telling. You speak the truth to people. What do prophets always say? Thus says the Lord. And sometimes it has future implications, but generally it's about the, it's about the situation as it is, because God speaks through people most of the time. And Amos probably just went back to fig farming and, uh, and uh, shepherding when he was done. And he had to kind of cobble this together. The illustration I'm going to use today is the illustration of a pivot. My wife came up with this idea, and it's a really good one. Uh, in basketball, you have to keep one foot planted, but you can move the other one. What happens if you move both feet? You get called for traveling. You call for traveling. And so when you get the ball, you stand there on both feet, and there's someone in your face. And remember I said, it's like bringing the ball, with this COVID thing, it's like bringing the ball up the court, and yet this full court presses on us all of a sudden. It's like we can't even get to half court because people are in our face. And the economy is in our face, and the situation is in our face, and we're, we're fighting this whole thing. And somebody throws us the ball, and there's this, there's this defender right there. And what do we do? We want to bring the ball down the court. So what you do is if you keep one foot planted, we got the ball, you can pivot the other foot and you can be facing a whole different direction, which gives you lots of different options. You can pass to different people, you can shoot, you can do lots of things because you take yourself out of the face of the defender and you're able to do other things. And in a time of vocational turmoil, which a lot of us are going through, it's a good idea to pivot. Now, I've said this is probably true, and I'm not sure why it works so well, but life can be described as a bowling lane. And there's two gutters here. Somebody throws you the ball, and what's one gutter ball? One gutter ball on the left would be to move both feet. Then you get called for traveling, you lose the ball. The other gutter ball would be to freeze and keep both feet planted. I'm just going to stay here till this thing's over. I'm just going to hunker down, and I hope things improve. Because if they improve, then it's going to go back to the way it was, and, uh, and the clock runs out on you. you got to bring the ball across the half line, and you got to shoot in a certain amount of time. And you don't have forever to stand there. So one gutter ball is just to stand there with both feet, and the other gutter ball is to move both feet, get called for traveling, but you can pivot. And when we pivot in life... You have one foot that stays planted. In other words, keep doing something that's working. It's tempting just to throw everything you're doing out and start over. And that's a mistake. There's probably something in your vocational life that's working. Keep that foot planted, but then move the, move the other one around. So the title of today's message is to pivot. To pivot. Amos had to pivot. He was out there you know, working on his figs and shepherding his flock, and God said, pivot. You can go back to this, keep that foot planted where you can, you can keep your farm, but you've got, some, you've got some work to do right now. You've got other things to do. And what I'm encouraging people to do is keep doing something that's working during a stressful time like this, but be willing to move the other foot. Because when you move the other foot, you end up facing a whole different direction. You're looking at a whole different situation because you've moved around and the defender isn't in your face anymore. 
I looked up the Apostle Paul on Google, and this is what he looks like, according to Google. So it must be, must be true. I don't know why, but every picture of Paul is bald. Uh, everyone you find. So he must have been bald. I, I don't know. But uh, anyways, Paul also had to pivot in his life. He writes to the Christians in Thessalonica. 2 Thessalonians 3, verses 7 through 9. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night, so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Paul patched together a vocational quilt that was very creative. He kept doing one thing that was working, which was tent making. Kept it going. But God called him out of that to do something else, to become the Apostle Paul and to plant churches. So he kept one foot planted and moved the other one, and he became very, very effective. He used to be, before he got saved, he used to be a tent maker, and he was literally a tent maker for the Roman army. And we know that he was a tent maker for the Roman army because his travels are the typical sales route you would take if you were that person, especially Philippi. Philippi was where all the retired Roman soldiers got free land and got to retire. And that's all his old buddies from selling tents. Who thinks that the Roman army was a pretty big customer at the time, a major customer? And the biggest source of skins for tents in the whole Roman Empire was the Jerusalem temple. And so Paul's job was to keep this business going. And the temple was there under the, uh, the blessing of the Romans for a couple reasons. One was to keep the, the, keep the skins moving. And when the first Christians said, hey, we don't need the temple, we can tear it down and build another one in three days, he gets freaked out. Why? Because he's in the middle of this whole supply line. And he goes off to Damascus to go haul these people into prison because they're threatening the business that's going on. He gets knocked off his horse or whatever he's riding. And... He had to pivot. He gave up his protecting the supply line thing, stayed a tent maker, and he became an apostle. Who thinks he was seeing the world from a whole different place? whole different place, from persecuting the church to promoting it. But did he keep one foot planted? Yes, he did. Kept one foot planted. And who thinks he was under a lot of pressure when you get nailed on the way to Damascus? And when you get nailed by life, and life will nail you, by the way. If it hasn't, it will. There's a promise in the Bible nobody likes. In this world, you will have trouble. And you're going to get hit by stuff. And you're going to get a full court press from time to time. And you got to be willing to pivot. Don't throw it all out. Don't freeze. And this is just men to men here. Women don't freeze like men do vocationally. But very often, when men lose their jobs, they freeze. Because our identity is so wrapped up in our vocation. I've seen so many men lose their jobs, and for months they'll sit on the couch. And they lock up, both feet planted. They can't pivot. It happens a lot, and we need to learn to be more flexible and to dislodge our identity from what we happen to have been doing. We are first and foremost a child of God, not what we do for a living. And so we have to kind of keep that in, uh, in perspective. So there's lots of ways here to put together your vocational quilt. And during crazy times like this, we cobble together stuff. 
we cobble together things. We keep doing something that's working and do some other things and try them out. Some of them will work, some of them might not. But we have to be flexible enough to try them. And the people I know who are pivoting the most right now are doing the best. And the ministries I know that are pivoting are doing the best. The ministries that are freezing may not make it through this pandemic. May not make it. And the ones giving up everything and doing everything entirely differently might just get washed away by who knows what. Keep doing something you're doing well and try some other things. Work on some other stuff. Putting together a vocation. In the Bible, switching vocations is biblical. Very few people in the Bible did the same thing through their whole lives. Moses was like a prince for a while, and then he was a shepherd. And then he was leading the people to the promised land. Three major vocational shifts. You could say, well, I don't do that. I don't lead people to the promised land. I'm a shepherd now. Well, he shifted lots of times. He was able to pivot and do different things. And we need to learn how to do that. Ruth pivoted. She pivoted relationally. Ended up with Boaz, with Naomi's advice. And that shifted her vocation. And sometimes what we need is a relational shift. And those relationships put us in a different household, and the different household creates a different place for us. Californians are not very good in general at family formation. And by family formation, I mean the ability to put together a group of people you do life with and stick with them. Because when you have that, you can share jobs. You can, you can move them around a little bit. Big families do that all the time. Keith Mayashero and I, well, before COVID, used to lock on, walk on a lot, uh, not walk on, knock on a lot of doors, not walk on doors, knock on doors. We were knocking on doors, and we'd invite people to church. And whenever we went to a Latino family, very often what would happen is a grandma, abuela, would answer the door, and she couldn't speak English, so she would bring one of the older kids, who was always off giving a bath to someone else, and the parents are both out working because they can both earn money. Grandma's taking care of the kids, and there's a division of labor going on. And they're able to share tasks. And the bigger the family, the more you can share tasks. And Ruth was able to take advantage of a, of a relational pivot and was able to be in a different situation vocationally. It's not just getting another job sometimes. It's moving into other relationships and building what I call family formation and working on that. I have a life coaching practice, and uh, I help people with their vocations all around the country. I've had, I've had uh, clients in Brooklyn, in the Bay Area, all over the place. And this four-square thing, it's not to do with four-square church, but these four squares are what I work with. I always ask them at the beginning of each session, I'll say, what do you want to work on today? Your health and your strength upper left, upper right, your relationships and family formation, because family formation is really important. And family formation doesn't necessarily mean people you're married to or blood relatives of. It's just people you do life with on a permanent basis, non-disposable relationships, the people that you can count on. Bottom left is your basic vocation, your gifting, what God has given you as special abilities in, and the ability to do different things. And the bottom right is provision. 
the ability to create income and make everybody's got to have provision from someone else or from themselves. They've got to, you have to have the flow of provision into your life. So I ask my clients, which of these four do you want to work on today? And the top half is way easier than the bottom half because some people do the bottom half this way and some people do the bottom half this way. They get their provision through their vocation. And you're very blessed if you're able to do that. But one is not better than the other. Sometimes our vocation and our provision are separate. Sometimes they're together. My mom and dad got on the bus in front of my house on 84th Street in Bloomington, Minnesota every day when I was a teenager. Got on a bus and they went to downtown Minneapolis and they worked. And they came home at dinner time. That's what they did every single day. And they got to know the bus driver. And the bus driver was one of the best jazz instrumentalists in the Twin Cities. And that was his vocation. You can't make a living as a jazz musician in the Twin Cities. Maybe in LA, but not in the Twin Cities. He was lucky to get a gig here somewhere or whatever, make a few hundred dollars here and there, but that's about it. You can't raise a family on that. So he had a bus. His bus driving was his provision and his vocation was one of the best jazz musicians in the Twin Cities. Sometimes you can do them together. There are musicians who make a living doing it. But one is not better than the other. It's important, though, to know which one you're doing and to be intentional about it. Is my provision separate from my major gifting or is it part of it? When people go to college, they often have a major. My major was philosophy and the other one was German and German literature. What do you do with that? Nothing. That, I wasn't preparing for a vocation. It was just going to school. And some training things are very specific for very specific things. See what I'm saying here is you get to choose whether you connect your vocation to your provision or you separate it. Paul separated it. His provision came through tent making. He didn't take an offering. Once in a while, he'd, people would send him an offering and say, that's nice of you folks, and I like it and all, but uh, you didn't have to do this. And he was gracious about it, but he kind of told him off a little bit too. I don't need this. I'm paying my own way. He separated the two. Some people bring them together. So different people in the Bible did different things. Moses, Ruth, Jesus. I'd like you to write in your notes the word oikos, O-I-K-O-S. I know that's not Greek yogurt. Uh, oikos. Oikos is Greek for household. And in the ancient Near East, Roman Empire, your household was involved in a business. And Jesus grew up in a household that was a builder's, a builder's household. His father was a builder. Jesus was called a tecton, T-E-K-T-O-N. And that is a builder. Now, someone comes up to you and says, I'm a builder. Do you think that they're whittling on a chair in the backyard? No, a builder is somebody who builds stuff. And he says, hey, if you're going to build a tower, count the cost. Does that give you a clue as to what Jesus did for a living? He was a contractor, a builder. And always talked about stone, never wood. They translated tecton into carpenter in English, which is sort of okay, I guess. But it was a bunch of people, monks, who translated it, who lived in a country full of wood where they built with wood. And so we think of Jesus as whittling and stuff. Uh, uh, he was a builder. And somewhere along the line, he changed households. And he ended up in Capernaum in a fishing household. 
Andrew and Peter, James and John, that was a big household. And the family business was fishing. And when a couple of them went away, there was others who could do it. It was family formation so they could share tasks. How he ended up pivoting from a building household to another one, who knows? Maybe maybe he had a lot of friction with his first household. It seems like he did in the Bible. There was some friction there. They thought he was crazy. He wanted to bring him home, a bunch of other stuff. They came around eventually toward the end, but there could have been some tension. And he didn't want to stay in that oikos. So he pivoted and ended up in a fishing household. And next thing you know, he ends up calling them to be the apostles. Pivot, pivot. So Jesus did some pivoting. And we know that that's just the way that worked. Paul, I told you about him. He pivoted too. Pivoting is wise. Keep one foot on the ground, move the other one. Get a whole different perspective. The Bible is full of people who pivoted. And it's wise to do that. In Holland, Wendy is from Holland. And uh, it's just wonderful being married to someone from a different country because you have a whole different perspective on stuff. But in Holland, the way it works is if you're trained to do a certain thing, let's say you're an economist and your job falls apart, you get welfare until an economist job comes open. They call that passen de arbeit. You have to be in work that's fitting for you. And people will wait years. And they don't pivot. And they, they can lock up. And all kinds of stuff happens. Some of the best breakthroughs in your life have been relational or vocational pivots. When I met Wendy, I, that was a big pivot for me. I grew up in a little town in the Mountain West. My world was very small. I grew up on Lutheran food, which... Uh, <laughs> Salt and pepper sits on the table, never gets used. That's about it. We never saw a spice. And I ended up meeting and dating this girl who knew about curry. That changes things pretty fast. Real fast. It was the biggest pivot of my life, and it changed everything. It opened up all kinds of opportunities for me. And, yeah, I've been pivoting ever since. I've been multivocational most of my life. I'm doing some work for Concordia, College, Concordia University. I'm doing some work for Carthage College in Wisconsin. Quite a bit of work, actually. And working with the church, that's the one thing that doesn't move. I keep that foot there because God's called me to teach Bible at this church. And he says, leave that foot there. And I do. The other foot moves around, does different things. And it's worked really well for me. And it is biblical. Family. Family is the ultimate vocational co-op. Why? Because you can have division of labor. And the more people you have in your household the more you don't have to do everything. There's a lot of stuff that all of us are bad at, but if you're all by yourself, you got to do it all yourself. And family formation is hard and it's painful and relationships are tough to build. Marriage is really hard. It's just, it's just hard. It, it, it is. Marriage is a big challenge for everybody, even the best of marriages. And you have to work through these things, but it's worth it. And you don't have to be married to do family formation. But who thinks it's a good idea for people to share housing in such an expensive place as California? It's a really good idea to, to, to move in and a bunch of people move in together, share tasks and work things out. You know, so a minimum wage, can't, people can't afford to live on minimum wage. Well, you can't afford to live by yourself on minimum wage, but you can afford to contribute to a household. And maybe you're making no money. 
so you take care of the kids or so you're really good at food preparation or maybe you're really good at repair and can fix all the cars and keep things running. If you're in a group of people, you can share that. The family is the ultimate vocational co-op. And once again, family is not necessarily people with the same last name. It's people who do life together and help each other out and stick together. Family are people you can't get rid of. You know, it's a, I always joke and say brothers and sisters, both spiritual and literal brothers and sisters, are people that, uh, people that you love and people that you'll take a bullet for and people that you stick with, but you're not impressed with them. It's, it's, it's hard to live with people a long time without losing that sort of, uh, well, anyways. But work on family formation. Work on bringing together something where you can share responsibilities and you can help each other out with the high cost of living and everything else. And you can contribute to that household what you're best at. Somebody might be good at making money. Somebody might be good at managing money. Somebody might be good at managing the household. There's all kinds of things you can do. One of the biggest lies out there is that you can do everything. And that's perpetrated in all of the media and everything else. You can be this superwoman or superman where you've got this great career, you look awesome, you're raising kids, you're doing all this on your own. Good luck. That's, that's, that's Hollywood, folks. That's not real. And I'm so blessed to, to have somebody I'm sharing my life with, Wendy, and, and she's good at virtually everything I'm terrible at, which really helps a lot. I would hate to see me organizing things in the house. It uh, wouldn't be good. Here's some practicalities. Putting together a patchwork quilt of vocations is a really good idea. The wealthiest people I know have multiple income streams. They don't depend on one paycheck. They have different ways of earning money. This is why this whole Uber and driving proposition is so important. And I'm not making a political statement here. It's just really important that people have a chance to have an outside income stream that's flexible. It's really key to be able to have that. And to be able to cobble together musicians. Jen is nodding very enthusiastically here. <laughs> to, to be able to cobble together a vocation, having multiple income streams is really key. I read a report once that once you get to six or seven income streams, your chances of being poor are pretty much zero. Because you've got even, we have multiple outgo spending streams, don't we? Why not multiple income streams? Tamara, you've got so many, I can't even count. Keeping track of all your different things you're doing. You're doing the, the oils thing, you're doing the ministry thing. You're also participating in your oikos and your household doing things. And that's how life works. That's your quilt. Putting it together and working on all those things. Multiple income streams are almost always a good idea. Second one, pray about your bottom squares. Those two squares at the bottom, provision and vocation. Do you put them together? Do you make a living using your best gift, or do you, you're really good at making money at something which is not your main vocation? Your main vocation might be volunteer work. It might be leadership in a church. It might be Phil Burtis. He's in our men's group on Monday mornings, always there. And Phil Burtis, his vocation is community, community committees that nobody wants to be on. Like, Somebody dealing with air traffic noise, and he'll be on the team. He gets paid nothing. He does a great job of it. He's on like three or four of these things. It makes me tired thinking about it. 
And in his semi-retirement, he's also teaching school as a as a as a um, as a substitute. Thank you, a substitute, and doing a really good job of that, and not relying on that for money. It's just another income stream. But he loves doing it. He loves making kids think, and that's a good thing. Sometimes your vocation isn't about money. It could be something that's not particularly monetizable. But then you still need provision. So you need to get in a household with people where someone's making money, or you need to have multiple income streams, or work at something. You're, some of you are really good at making money. And you shouldn't be afraid of that, even if it's not your main gifting. The third one, the more challenging the times, the more flexible we need to be. Blessed are the, fe- the flexible, for they shall not be broken. There's something about willows in the wind that just bend. And say, I'm always going to do this. I've always done this. Well, good luck to you during this time. Good luck. No, you've got to learn to pivot. Who thinks church life has had to pivot? Yeah, I just I still remember Kim and I talking when this whole COVID thing started and we, we couldn't meet the next Sunday. And I thought to myself, just like that, we're all televangelists now. I mean, it, that, that was a pivot. All of a sudden, we're on the air. And it's just, well, what do we do with this? And that was no fun. It, I don't even want to look at our first videos that I did, especially the ones I, I did out in the just trying the best I could. Oh, yo, yo. It's hard to pivot. You have to try new things. I've gotten a little better at it. I'm shooting for a B now. And maybe someday an A minus. We'll work on it. More challenging the times, more flexible you need to be. Consider the trades. You can get a license to work on jet engines in 11 months. 11 months at the community college. Blood work, medical assistant stuff, the trades. Uh, my friend Daryl, who works on air conditioning, they cannot get people to work on air conditioning. They last a few few days and they quit. It doesn't take long to train to do that. And you can make a really good living in HVAC. There's a whole bunch of trades out there which are just crying for people. And this might be an opportunity to pivot to a trade. That might be your provision. And it might be your gifting you don't even know about yet. It could lead to other things. Don't just think of professional work. It could be the trades people are making a lot more than a lot of professionals right now. And I know because we're out in the desert and they come out there with their big fifth wheels and their four-wheel drives and the whole thing. And and, then what do you do? I run a plumbing company. Okay, you've got a billion-dollar trailer and boat behind it and everything else. So think about the trades. You can get a certificate in a matter of weeks to months and be making really good five figures doing a lot of things. So be flexible about that. Well, I went to college. I don't want to be in a trade. Well, okay. But if you're a philosophy major like me, you better better think about it. Don't be afraid to make a lot of money. Serving others can be lucrative. It can be. It's not unspiritual to make a lot of money. And you might be the person in your household that's good at that. How, rather than asking, how can I get this job if you're interviewing, what I always ask is, how can I help this organization? I was uh, in a meeting with Carthage College just a couple weeks ago, and they wanted to put together a pro forma for their trustee board, which is meeting in a week or so. And uh, pro forma is a business plan based on speculation, but it has to be conservative, and there's all kinds of legal rules around it because you're presenting it to investors, basically. And the president and the provost were thinking, oh, gosh, we got to get a 
pro forma put together for 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 this thing and and what are we going to do and and i said how can i help you guys they said well we need someone to write a pro forma i said well i can do that and while i was doing that i was looking up what a pro forma was because i had no idea <laughs> and i learned how to write a pro forma and it was really fun and they're using it and now i can i can actually sell that to people because people hate writing pro formas and i think it's kind of fun to do so i'll just put that on my my linkedin page that i write pro formas next thing you know who knows what i'll be doing how can i help your company to achieve what you want to achieve it's not how can i get a job or get pay from you it's what can i do for you and it's kind of fun sometimes to bite off more than you can chew and just keep chewing that's that i've done it lots of times just try something give it a shot and uh, make it work. Next one, unclamp. Unclamp your soul. We get so clamped during times like this. We get all, all worked up over this COVID thing and oh, you know, it's uh, what's gonna happen to the economy and what's gonna happen to the election. And folks, whoever wins the election, God's still on the throne. Just, God is not gonna let his creation just fall apart. Not gonna happen. He will get his way with everything unclamp a little bit one of the best things you can do is watch less news and spend more time in the word and spend more time putting your quilt together and developing your skills you know for all the news we've watched the last few years all of us could have gotten a license at a community college to do something in the trades with all that time and we could be doing pretty well with that you know uh well I go on and on about that. I'm not going to, but unclamp. Let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. Question retirement. I'm not saying don't get to the point where you don't need to work. I'm not saying that. But back here, in this model here, is there any such thing as retirement? You still need provision. When you're older, you still need provision. And you still need to be living, working in your skills. And by the way, your skills are honed by now, and you're actually pretty good at stuff. What a waste for people to stop using their skills when they're 65. Gosh, I mean, I still remember Howell Foster came to our church. Some of you know Howell Foster. And Howell Foster, when he preached, he, he was pitching heat. He was something. And he came from another church, which I won't mention, but its initials are Mount of Olives. And he came from a church where they said, we don't want you serving communion because we want to present a younger image. And he was in his 80s. And he said, can I, can I, can I help out if I come to your church? Said, sure, you preach way better than I do. Let me know when you want to preach. He was an amazing speaker. I just sat back and just thought, this guy is some, he could lead revivals in his 80s. He had two wives die on him and got married again for the third time. I said, how are you sure you want to get married again for the third time? He says, well, when you're wired up like me, if you don't get married, you get in trouble. So I said, okay. <laughs> but there's a guy who, who looked at the bottom half there and said, I'm a gifted preacher. I already have my provision. Folks, the word retirement doesn't occur in the Bible. 
And that doesn't mean don't enjoy yourself, don't travel, don't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying keep living out your vocation and better pay attention to your provision too. And make sure you've got a plan for that. Think about it. I am so off track here. <laughs> and the last thing, being spiritually awake gives your pivot deeper context. Getting spirit-filled, folks, being spirit-led, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and if we're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, it's hard to be led into our vocation, hard to be called. And for any of you watching on a screen or here, we're starting a new Alpha course. Got two of my Alpha leaders back here. And the Alpha course is all about waking up spiritually and seeing a bigger picture. And one of the best lessons on Alpha is how does God guide us? It's the best practical talk I've ever heard on the Bible anywhere. Everybody should hear it. Come on the course. Learn how to listen to God and listen to his voice and learn how to let that help put that quilt together. Let him be the designer of that. All you got to do is write to my email. It's right there, hphouse, with no e, at gmail.com. All I need your name and email. We'll put you on the course. It's starting this Wednesday. So there's your quilt. What does your quilt look like? Most of us, our quilt is still under construction. We're still working on it. What do you want it to look like? What does the Lord want it to look like? Our vocation being put together is one of the most important things you'll ever do. Next week, we're going to talk about putting it all together. Dana Hansen, who's also preaching on the same topics up at Lifehouse in LA, he found a website that is so cool, and it had 10 things the Bible says about work that everybody needs to know. And so we're going to kind of tie all of these things together next week. And it's, it's, it's going to be by far the best talk of the five. So don't, don't miss that one as we kind of wrap up the package and tie it at the top. But uh, I would just love to pray with you. Just open up your, open up your hands, open up your heart, and, uh, and just receive. Lord, I just pray that you would show everyone listening which foot to keep planted and which one to pivot. Lord, our whole country is facing, the whole world is facing, but our country is facing full court press right now. And the defense, the people coming after us are just in our face. I just pray, Lord, for the courage to pivot. I pray for people who have a big challenge with family formation, Lord. They have to do it all, all the time. I just pray, Lord, for you to bring people into their lives that they can invest in, and they can invest in each other. and There can be some sharing of different kinds of labor and giftings. And Lord, we pray for your church throughout the world. We pray, Lord, that the church... The church has been under fire so many times in the last 2,000 years, Lord, but we've always learned to pivot. And we've outlasted everyone else. We've outlasted all of the empires and governments and languages and cultures, and we continue to outlast them because we can be led by your Spirit. And for people who don't know how to hear your voice, Lord, I just pray that you would help them to connect to our Alpha Course, Lord, so we can walk through that together and they can learn to hear your voice, your calling, your vocatio, your your sense of calling them into stuff. 
And Lord, for people who are frozen, locked up, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't feel ashamed that they're locked up, but they would just look down at one of their feet and move move that foot. And Lord, for people tempting to throw it all out and start over, Lord, show them what's working in their life so they can hang on to that and have something stable as they're trying something new. And Lord, I just pray for joy for people because the more that quilt comes together, the more, more joy starts to rise up in our hearts. We see our lives as this beautiful thing that you're putting together through us. I just want to give you thanks for this church, Lord, and the, the people in it who are walking by faith. Continue to bless them, Lord, one day at a time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, House. It's so interesting because I've been listening to this speaker, writer, author, um, John Acuff. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I think he's the nephew of Roy Acuff. I know they're related. I think he's the nephew of Roy Acuff, a singer, if you guys don't know who that is either. Um, John is um, a speaker. He's a teacher. He writes. Um, he's got a lot of books out. And one, he's funny. I love I love listening to him because he's funny. He lives in Nashville, um, or actually Franklin, Tennessee. And his whole thing since this stuff has happened since March is to pivot. And that's what he's been speaking on is to pivot. How do you pivot during all this time? So it's really interesting. And then I was on a, a, a Zoom meeting yesterday, and it was all about how during all this time, how do we keep going? And it's all about our mindset. And if we don't have the right mindset, we can't move. We get paralyzed. We can't pivot. And so very interesting that all of this has led to this. Um, and we planned this over a year ago. So weird. Um, but so many times we are afraid to live in God's abundance. And when something like this happens, we get frozen and we don't know what to do. And we forget that God is our great provider and he wants us to live in abundance. And he gives us the way to pivot. He really does. Um, for me, I, you guys know, I'm furloughed from my office job. And so I've been pivoting like mad. Sometimes I just go in a circle. Um, but God wants me, he wants all of us to live an abundant life. And there have been times, and I know all of us have gone through it, where we just, this has been heavy on our hearts, heavy on our minds, and we just kind of go, okay, today I, had, I just throw my hands up and I have to give up. I have to just stop. And that's okay, but we can't live there for months. We can do it, I always call it my pity party day. Um, and then, but then we have to move on. And it's really a mindset change. And if we can change that mindset and say, okay, Lord, where do you want us to go? Then we can pivot. We can move forward, not backwards. And God will bless that. And so that's my two cents. And I lost my proclaim. You want to move, Kim? Because I got to get this back up. 
Anyways, um, one of the things you can do if you're stuck is ask for prayer. We love to pray for you. There's connection cards on your chairs, the ones that are here. If you are online with us, email me, Tamara underscore Dorica at yahoo.com. Put it on our prayer wall on Facebook. But let me let us as a group pray for you. Um, that is one way that we can move forward is getting other people to pray. Just pray. So fill out those connection cards. There's a connection box in the back, that little brown box by the um, door. Go ahead and put them there. And for the, again, for those of you online, email me or put it on our prayer wall. Or you can go to Facebook Messenger and message me or house. And that way we can get it to our prayer group and be able to pray for you. Thank you. Um, our October prayer focus is here. We are praying for first responders. And so for those of you here, the prayer cards are here. If you didn't get one last week, let us know. And I know we have some in the back that we can get to you. So we're praying protection and safety for our first responders. We're praying for cooler weather and to stop all the fires. Pray for unity between officers and the community. Pray blessings over their finances, health, and families. And then pray for the families that have lost loved ones, whether they're fire, police, sheriff, CHP, um, all of them. So all of our first responders, please pray for them. And then we also pray for President Trump, especially now that he and his wife um, have tested positive for COVID. Pray for our governor and all of those making decisions. Whether we like them or not, our, God calls us to pray for them. And we're not praying their destruction. We are pray uplifting them. Because I know somebody that said, oh, I'm praying for him. This is what I'm praying for. I'm like, no, that is not the right way to pray. Um, whether we like him or not. And trust me, I have politicians that I don't like. And guess what? I'm still praying for them. I'm praying for God's wisdom for them. I'm praying for their hearts. I'm praying for their minds. I'm praying for their protection and their safety and their health. I'm praying that God does a work in them and through them. I pray some, some of them that God gets a hold of them and shakes them. You know, pray uplifting them. That's how you pray for them. So pray for them, please. <laughs> okay, and then please pray for us, the pastors here. Um, pray for our protection, our health and wellness and safety for us. Um, that is a big part of what keeps Kim and House and I going. We um, get the spiritual tax quite a bit. And so it's your prayers that surround us with um, that hedge of protection and that will protect us. And so please do that, especially as we come into the cold and flu season. There's a few of us here that tend to get sick. I haven't been to two years, so I know your prayers are working and I know some other stuff I'm doing is working. So please pray for that. And then pray that God guides and directs the leaders of the well. So that's the trustees and the pastors. Um, we've had to navigate some uncharted waters. And uh, God has blessed that because we sit at his feet and we listen and we want to continue to do that. But we need you to uplift us as we do that. So please pray for us. We also have our um, October Bible reading. And for those of you that are here, uh, there's on your chair. So, oh, wait, I even have one up here. <laughs> it's this lovely large thing. And this is actually this is the last quarter. So it's October, November, and December. And then this is our prayer card. 
Um, for those of you online, if you go onto our Facebook group or page, I have put the October Bible readings and the prayer re- uh, focus on um, on the Facebook pages. So please join us every day reading the Bible. And then um, House is doing a Bible teaching every day on that reading. So read your Bible, then check out House's videos. And uh, you'll really get to be able to dive deeper into God's Word. As House says, um, October 7th, so that's this Wednesday, isn't it? Wow, how did that happen? So this Wednesday at 6 p.m., we're going to start our new alpha. So please join us. Contact House, and he will um, get you the link to and all the information you need. If you have questions, you're like, I don't know if I should do this. If you're having that question, you should do it. Simple as that. Just do it. So please join us on October 7th. And then teacher training today at four o'clock, we're going to, um, the topic is how to gather a following. Um, you can't plant a church. You can't um, do ministry. You can't unless you have people following you. And so we want to um, be able to gather people around us that we can um, teach or maybe minister to, or pray for, or whatever it is. It's not just about teaching. It's about ministering to. And so that could be something God's calling you to do during this time, since we're not as busy as usual, is to gather a following and be able to minister to them, pray for them, to feed them, do whatever it may be. So please join us today at 4 o'clock. And if you need the Zoom link, contact househbhouse at gmail.com. Uh, tithes and offerings. Did you put a new slide up, House? It just came out weird. Oh, did who did Kim did that? You're so good. I'm like, that's a different slide. Okay, so tithes and offerings. Thank you guys for being so generous. We are doing great as a church, and we are so blessed as a church that we continue to do ministry with no worries. And so, um, please keep sending in those checks for those of you that hear that are here, there are offering envelopes on the chairs. You can fill out your checks or put cash in those, put them in the connection box in the back. Um, for those of you online, you can send a check in. You can go online to um, divedeeptogether.com. You can go to our Faith Life app. You can um, go to PayPal. You can go to tinyurl.com slash giving 310 giving and that tells you all the different ways of doing it. And then also our patreon.com slash worldwide well. I did it this time. Worldwide well. Woohoo. I, I always say something else. So um you can do that as well. There's so many different ways and God calls us to be generous even during this time. And I promise you if you are faithful to giving to God, He will be faithful in returning abundant blessings to you. I am proof of that. And okay, that is it for today. Have a fantastic week. Um, Learn to pivot this week. Uh, Just keep pivoting and asking God what he wants you to do. And we'll see you back here on Sunday or Wednesday night or tonight if you're joining us. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.